Welcome to episode 207 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, guys, welcome along to episode 207 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Old. How you going, Coach? I'm okay. A little bit on the sick side, but I'm okay. What's happening in the sickness, mate? Family has been hit by the cold. The Newsoms are under the bad cold. What's, what, what, yeah. what's happened? Everyone's down, are they? Yeah, mate, usually I, I manage to avoid most of the sickness in the family, but this time I've, I've gone down. Oh, no. So who gets sympathy? That's the thing. Because, you know, normally when there's a sick person, Everyone else gives them lots of love. What are you? What's happening in this situation? No sympathy anyway. No, Thomas and Felicity get a little sympathy, but just a little. That's that, that's about where it ends. Yeah, old hard ass style. That's I am talking is proudly brought to you by CoffeesFY.com for the world's best coffee. Enter discount code I am talk and Athlinks.com social networking for endurance athletes for all your results tracking and social needs. And this week's show, we've got some news. We've got an age group of the week, a website of the week, and. A lot of people will be happy to hear about Coach's Corner. It's back. The, it's back. Uh, the I Am Talk guide for first timers doing Ironmans. It's been a while, but I've finally uh, got off my ass and done a little bit more work, and we're, we're almost through the full series. And when, I, when we are through the full series, I'll maybe tidy up my document and uh, and put it online somewhere. But it's uh, this week is going to be on race week tips. I don't have the notes for that. How can I work with you if I don't I, have the notes? I, I've, I've just sent you the revised notes about 10 minutes ago. Okay. So we can, I'll, I'll uh, get those up just before you get onto that. Okay then, and uh, then we've got a couple of questions and answers at the news. First of all, we've got news coming up and it's brought to you by xtry.com. Check out the latest news, reviews, interviews with the stars and it keeps you up to date with all things triathlon. But before we go there, let's talk about what's been happening in the Ironman world, John. But in the Iron Man world, I'm just, uh, I've got to do all this work here, Bevan. I've got to click, click between screens. Oh, you're, and, not, you're not used to and, it. So you, you have newfound respect for me, don't you? Well, this uh, weekend yeah. has been we had Iron Man South Africa and. Specsavers Iron Man South Africa. Oh, are you sponsored by these guys? I'm not, but I'm going to start giving the sponsors of races a little bit of love. Okay, fair enough. So they're good for the sport. Yeah. Nice. No, it was, it was an interesting day and. Uh, I did not do my fantasy tri picks for the race because I was a little concerned. Uh, there was quite a bit of news around the, the week that a number of athletes were not going to make the start line because of the big kick-ass volcano in uh, in Iceland. So uh, I, I, I was just right. Being a bit honest here. Is, is it really why you didn't do it? Well, no, to be honest, it was. I got to about sort of Friday or Saturday and I was going to do it and then I thought this is just going to be stupid because it's going to be a lottery if people don't turn up. But in the end, it looks like most of the people that were down to race did turn up and did race. Uh, but yes, it was some interesting results. You know what, John? I didn't do my picks because I actually noticed that the people may not turn up and uh, I decided there's a good reason not to do it. Good. I, I think that's a, that's a valid reason, Bevan. I'm Great minds think alike. Okay, well, right. the men's race, right now, Tissing took it out and... Pretty convincing win at the end of the day, wasn't it? It was, and, uh, and I, I was picking Matthias Hecht. If I had done my picks, I would have had him on top. You know, he's, he's had a good race in Kona last year, and, and I think he's one of those guys that's uh, on the up, um, and, he, and he was leading off the bike, but he put in a, you know, 
probably a bit of a disappointing run with a 3.03, whereas Reynard Tissink was uh, nice and consistent all day, swam 50.27, biked 4.37, and then it ran a really good uh, 2.52 for, for an 8.23. So good to see him back on top. I was reading that he's had a bit of uh, asthma troubles, and he, he has been a little bit hit and miss the last couple of years. He had a, a top 10 in Kona a few years ago, and um, yeah, it's good to see him back, and I think it's uh, the second time he's won the race, and it's his hometown, so um, good on him. And I think he took the lead in about 20Ks in the run and just pretty much there was no one, no one was going to stay with him in the run. Uh, Justin Shorter's apparently had a pretty great day. He was, you know, ran a pretty great run off the bike. Everyone else, obviously the run times are pretty slow and uh, he had the fastest run spot of the day. Apparently ran all the way down. So Yeah, he ran a, a 2.51, which is a good, respectable respectable time um, and, and brought home fourth place. So a bit like um, Reynard, he, you know, we haven't seen his name popping up too much lately. Um, so good to see him back. At Matthias Hecht, he held on for second. Uh, he's five minutes back, um, 47 minutes swim, so pretty pretty sharp there. 4.33 and then a th- only a 3.03 on the run. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously three, a three-hour marathon is, is not bad, but when we're talking you know, world-class athletes, they should be really going under three hours. Daniel Fontana was third in uh, 8.33 and then uh, Jason Shortest couldn't quite catch him he was one minute back in fourth place and Stephen Bayliss um yeah, quite consistent um he was uh in fifth place in 840 and Jan Raphael who won Ironman Florida haven't seen too much of him um of late he's on the Cozumel Bank team or yep. uh, and he did he was in sixth place uh in 842 so you know not, not you know when you look at the top 10 not not bad you had um you know all the top nine all, all sub nine which is always a good sign um Okay, cool. On the girl side of things, um, Sonia has had that one job. Tatsich, Tatsich, Tatsich. We'll go with that. She was second last year, um, stepped up this year and, uh, and took out the win. Pretty, pretty weak swim, a 102 swim, um, 501 on the bike, not bad, and a really good 307 marathon. She took it out in 916. Do we, so. know, do we know what happened to Bella? She obviously Bella... Yes, yeah, she did. Uh, I haven't seen the reasons why, but she finished the bike. I remember looking at her split yesterday, and she finished the bike, and then uh, obviously didn't finish the run. Um, one, one of the, uh, the there were some interesting comments on the race article I was reading yesterday about um, reasons why people pulled out. So one of the um, oh no, I saw this. There was a uh, she was one of the favourites, Lucy Zelnikova, I yeah, think it was. Yeah, yeah, emotional, distress. emotional distress on the bike. <laughs> I mean, if, she's, if obviously she, if she had a family tragedy or something like that, that's completely fair enough. But if she was just having a bad day and packing a sad, and they called it emotional distress, and then and then somebody else on the the run, a guy pulled out because of gastric distress on the run. <laughs> <laughs> I got a bit of gastric distress. Uh, on the <laughs> it's an interesting terminology. <laughs> but um, yeah, Caroline Stephan, you know, I would if I if I had done my picks I probably would have had her um, along with Bella to probably take the race she's had some wicked form in uh, in 70.3 and a half Ironman races this year um, but couldn't quite pull it pull it home on the, the run there, ran a 3.17 um, I think she was uh, leading off the bike and she came home in second in 9.22 and Tina Dickers who's usually um, pretty consistent as well, she was home in third in 9.29 Just quickly mention uh, the good old uh, Memorial Herman half I'm in 70.3 in Texas. Good old Bazzoni took out a pretty good field. If you look at the guys he beat, he beat Chris Leado, Andy Potts, Paul Amy, Phil Graves. You know, so it's a pretty good win for Trenzo. 
It was, and it's great. You know, the WGC are doing some good things here. It was the the US Pro Championships, so seventy five thousand um, dollars prize money, which is which is significantly more than other um, seventy point three races. So good on them for doing that. And, and I think what they're they're coming up with having these sort of regional championships. They've got the Asia Pacific champs in Phuket, and I, I'm not sure. I th- I'm sure they'll they'll pull up a European championship somewhere. So it's great. You know, having we've talked about a lot having those sort of bigger races, which do attract a stronger field and and obviously because of the money. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty impressive. And you've got to remember that um, Terenzo and Andy Potts both are backing up. I'm sure they did a half Ironman last weekend or the weekend before. Yeah, Andy Potts definitely did. I'm not sure about Terenzo, but Potts definitely did, didn't he? Because he won it, didn't he? Yeah, so that's pretty impressive. But yeah, Terenzo, you know, I mean, I give him a little bit of grief about, um, you know, his, his Taupo performance, and I thought he could have done better. But at half Ironman, you know, Terenzo and Andy Potts are just um, yeah, a bloody... Like- Bloody good on the bike, uh, oh, bloody good all round. Um, and, and Timothy the thing is, Chris had got off the bike about two and a half minutes in front of these guys, you know, mm. and a half. And you know, that's a pretty good lead. I know Luyad is not the fastest runner in the world, but you know, he still put another minute on him. So yeah, yeah. And uh, so Terenzo took it out in three forty nine oh six. Did twenty six swim, two oh eight on the bike, and, and one eleven run. Um, just managed to hold out uh, Timothy O'Donnell, who had pretty comparable splits. Just lost a little bit of time on the bike um, and had a marginally quicker run split. And Chris Lieto, yeah, he, he a little bit behind in the swim, about him one minute down. Um, put four minutes into them on the bike. It was four minutes quicker on the bike split. I mean, he still ran a one fifteen. That's not bad. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, I was just saying how great the other guys runs were, eh? But Andy Potts, you know, he must have had something going on on the bike there. Um, he had his usual little bit of a lead in the swim, you know, over a minute. Um, but then he only rode a 2.13, which is five minutes slower than Terenzo. So not quite sure what was going on there. But then he ran a 1.10.09. That's a pretty impressive run. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Uh, so the, the top US um, competitor got $5,000 bonus. For, ah, nice. Yeah, so uh, no, there's a guy called... No, what was the guy's Would have been name? T- Timothy O'Donnell. Yeah, Timothy O'Donnell got it, yeah. So, yeah, good, good to see WTC. Um, you well, know, so trying to give the girl some love. Sam McGlone took oh, yeah, it out. Yeah. Sam McGlone took it out. Um, good to see her back. You know, I think she's um, a great athlete. You, she always puts it on the line when you see her out racing. I always remember watching her in uh, in Olympic distance ITU stuff. She's a pretty pretty weak swimmer, especially relative to ITU standard. But she used to just bury herself on the run. She'd be coming from like third pack and she'd often run herself quite a long way up the field. You know, not, nothing, not never winning races or anything like that, but you'd often see her with one of the fastest run splits and maybe running herself into the top 10. So good to see her back on top. Pretty close racing. She only won by uh, just over a minute from Amanda Stevens and Kelly Williamson was um, only another 30 seconds back. So, you know, good to see some nice tight racing. And those girls are running pretty fast as well. I mean, she ran a 119.59. Nice. Kelly Williamson ran a 118. And uh, Desiree Ray Ficker seems to be um, slowly coming back into a little bit of form, which is yeah. great. And she uh, came home in 4.21, so she was in fourth place. Okay, then. So, wait a second. My opponent seems to pull up my show notes. Where are my show notes? I'll, I'll pull mine up, too. Okay, here we go. Uh, so, this weekend, we've got the inaugural... Uh, how's this one? Ford Ironman St. George. Oh, you put an F.I. there, John. So I did. I was trying to confuse you, <laughs> well, you see. You confuse me. I'm confused. <laughs> you win. Okay, so Ironman St. George. I tried to find the field, but I couldn't, I couldn't find it. It's a weak, weak performance by the, the organisers from George. Um, the, 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 the race entry field is up, but it's the full list. So trying to find which pros are racing is... Oh, is they, uh, they don't have a pro section? 
No, not at all. It's just a full list. So it's week, and it's it's like it's Monday of race week, and there's not even a mention on the website of of who's racing or anything like that. So I think that's pretty poor. Um, I I mean I tried to scan through the field to see who, who which names I could um, see. I saw Chris McDonald was racing, Joseph Major. Um, I think Michael Lovato had the number one bib. Um, but other than that, you know, I was just scanning through. I think maybe Paul Amy was down there. I'm not sure. Um, so it's, it's pretty weak, and it's, it's a new race, so they should be trying to build some hype around it. Uh, it's going to be an interesting one. It's, you know, it's, it's a really early season race for the States. It's likely to be pretty cold. Um, I've got a guy racing over there, and they've been getting emails from the race organizers saying uh, that it is going to be uh, pretty fresh. And this is another one of the races now that the WTC are going to be running. They've taken over yeah. from North America Sports. So I'm, I'm sure they're going to put on a great race and it'll be a wicked event but you know, I just think it, they, they need to get a PR person who's who's going to be rolling um, out some news so it's they can get stuff on the internet like, if you're going to go to a website you're going to check out their website aren't you and so yeah. you know and if, if you're doing the race you actually like as much as when you're in an age group you like to kind of see what pros are going to be there don't you hmm yeah, so. Totally. So I think they could pick the game up there, but it's going to be going to be an interesting day. Um, the course has got some hills on the bike. Um, it's also at altitude, uh, not not particularly high, but it's at around about a thousand meters. I think I think it goes over a thousand meters on the bike. Um, so that could have a little bit of effect. But you know, um, an early season race, so so people aren't going to be informed. But the guys that have put in a, a good hard winter of training, um, you know, can pick themselves up some early season Kona slots, and then they can spend the rest of the year training for it. Nice. Well, uh, this, we've got a bit of WTC news, and one thing that they're really trying to aim to do is better race day coverage. They've introduced this thing called the Ramp Up Show, where they've got Greg Welch and Lisa Bentley basically doing, it's kind of like a sh- Iron Man Live kind of stuff, but they've got a show that happens before race day, and the Ramp Up Show will basically be uh, available from 12pm Eastern Time in the US. Every race day before a full Iron Man North American race will be happening um, they're going to have course commentary, just bits and pieces and all that kind of stuff. Then they're going to have race day coverage. Now, I'm not sure if it'll be like Ironman Hawaii, but it'll be a bit more than maybe what they've had up to this point where Lisa and, and Welch will be going around and kind of talking to the crowd, watching what the pros are doing and all that kind of stuff as well. And then after the race, they're going to have what they call the Power Hour. And in that, they're looking to kind of basically do the, a wrap-up of the race, really, aren't they? I think they, there's a great move by them. Um, yeah, yeah, I think. Great, hey? I think... I think they could. Uh, there's a lot of potential out there for, for, as you said, like a quick highlight show afterwards, which an hour is great. You know, sitting down there and watching a, a, a 10-hour Ironman is, is not going to be a lot of people's cup of tea um, outside of Kona. And even with Kona, you come you go and come back and go back and, and you don't sit there all day or well, not many people do so I think it's, it's a good initiative um, I think you know from a business perspective I think they've got some great opportunities there um, Well this is so- mean John I suppose then like for me the lead up's kind of cool that'd be a good thing and race day coverage you know remember you were saying when you were watching I can't remember what race it was and they only had like three or four hundred people watching it I'm in New Zealand Yeah and so for me it really is the power hour would be the key because a wrap up show for most people, as you said, they're not going to watch a 10-hour race. Mm. Most people can go on a Saturday or Sunday night and something and kind of there's been an Ironman on that weekend. If you can watch an hour's coverage and actually see what happened in the race and if they present it in a pretty dynamic way, which, you know, they do, they do know how to present, you know, good content. Um, yeah. You know, that could be that could be really good. Yeah, so let's, let's see how they do this weekend. And uh, good luck to everybody racing St. George. Mm, bring it on. Also, they've introduced uh, 703 Paratriathlon Lottery. So what's happening here, Jonbo? 
So it's good that you know, for 70.3 world champs, um, there's going to be a lottery happening. So for para triathletes, um, they can now go in the lottery to, to race at 70.3 champs. Obviously, we know it's a, it's a complete draft fest over there, but it's, uh, it's, it's good to see that, that they're giving, you know, um, not fully bodied athletes uh, an opportunity to, to get there. And uh, there's, there's obviously some qualifying races where you can go in there and qualify, but now they've actually got a lottery as well to, to give them all a chance. So I think it's, uh, it's all good stuff. It's interesting, actually, we've got an email through, I'm just trying to pull it up right now, from, who did I get it from this morning, um, good old Fegan, saying how Phil Graves' Facebook, he's got, um, basically that he turned down his clear water spill like many other pros did yesterday, it's just not appealing to pros. Yeah, well, it, it's it, it's appealing if you're um, if you're a good, a really good runner um, and a good swimmer, an ITU type athlete. Um, it's also appealing if the US market is is where a lot of your sponsors are, and and obviously Phil is more of a you know a European based athlete. Uh, I think has he joined up to one of those? Uh, yeah, he is, isn't he? He's in one of those. Teams. Yeah, He's in one of the teams. So you know, for his sponsors to race in the states is probably not going to give him maximum exposure. So yeah, for him, and especially he's not the strongest runner. Um, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's the sad thing, but isn't it? Because ultimately, in most sports, you want to do the world champs, don't you? You know, like, and that's kind of meant to be the day where all the good guys come along in any sport. Yeah. You know, and and if this this race obviously is just not that important to pros, where if you kind of think, well, my sponsors aren't going to get much out of it, and you know, it doesn't really work for me. You know, it, it's kind of sad that that's the case. It is, uh, but if, if you win the race, I think you get great coverage. You know, Andy Potts and Terenzo and, and guys that have won the race, it's been really good for them. Um, but, for, you know, we, I had a guy last night at my, my running session saying he, he was uh, wanting to try to go to the 70.3 Worlds, and, and the challenge for New Zealanders is, is, is he said, I just can't qualify anywhere. There's no oh, 70.3 there's no race threes. here. Oh, yeah. um, the ones in Australia qualify you for the Asia-Pacific 70.3 champs. So that oh, you're going to do two steps to you? Yeah, so he said there's no sort of qualify, um, and I just said to him, "Why the hell would you want to go anywhere? There's a hell of a lot more better races to go to than that." So I think the concept of a 70.3 World Champs is is great, um, but yeah, like you said, for me, there's no appeal to that race. Uh, and uh, but for the pros, you know, for the American-based pros, it's it's still good coverage for their sponsors. Okay, well, we've got a competition in place, John, and uh, good old guys at Tri Grand Prix have sent us a competition, have, let me read what they've got here, have given our listeners a chance to win a place to enter their half Ironman. Just pop on there and your name. Uh, let me explain okay. it, Devin. I've got it under control. Got so basically, control. we talked about this uh, last week or maybe the week before. Um, guys like Kieran Doe and a whole bunch of the, the pros have, have signed up to Triathlon Grand Prix. Actually, There's two well, races. I, I won't interrupt here because I was walking to the, my, well, not the gym, I was actually walking to the office yesterday at LMI. And I bumped into good old Joe Lawn and Armando. They live basically two places up the road from where I work. Nice. And um, she's actually she's, over to do that race. She signed up there, and Cameron Brown is as well, I see. Mm-hmm. Um, so two races this year. They're going to expand to five. We've talked about their whole athlete care um, sort of way of putting on races, and, and we'll see how they deliver on that. But that's their, their big focus. So what they've done is given us two spots, um, one male, one female. All you've got to do is go onto athlinks.com, go onto our IM Talk page, and I've put a discussion um, topic up there. If you want to go in the competition, you just need to go in there, just put something on the the. The, the blog, uh, the discussion comment, you can put anything down there like Bevan's a dick or, or hey, whatever mate, you want. Hey, we should have <laughs> not more. Or, or you want a put nice it. guy, God. Or it's just hello, just hello, love the show or, you know, or whatever. John, please, John, get better, you know? <laughs> That's right. That's what I'm going to put um, there, John. 
get on there, put a post, and anybody who puts a post on there um, will just pick out a male and female winner, and you can choose which race you want to do. Um, as I said, there's one in uh, the UK, and there's one in Spain, so get on there and be in to win, thanks to Triathlon. Talking to Joe, was that, you know, like, it's interesting that these guys, you know, it's the first time around, and they've kind of come out of nowhere, um, that they seem to have demanded respect straight away. I'm not sure what their history is, but, you know, like, they seem to have, you know what I mean, they have a good respect straight away. Well, that's that's when you sign up good athletes and sign up pro athletes. Um, I think that that helps a lot, and that was obviously one of their key key um, formulas. You know, formulas, and, and so I think you know when you got guys like Aniko Lanos, who's who's been you know second in Kona and and won a lot of races, I think that automatically gives you that respect. And and I just think their whole way of going about races, they're going out there and really stating that we want to look after the athletes. Sure, they're going to want to run it as a business and and and, and have it profitable. I'm sure. But um, they're, they're trying to set themselves apart from, from other races who, who may be in it more for the money. Bloody hell, who's calling me, Bevan? Who's calling John, me? How many, how many years have we been doing this for, John? Uh, you see, I'm in a different environment. Silence. Okay, Andrew Abercan gets the silence button. Bugger off, Andrew. i tell you one <laughs> thing as well is that it's nice that he's got a decent pro race. Like Sometimes they'll, you know, they'll pay for one pro, so they'll get like a Nicolanis along to a race, and it'll just be the Aniko race. Whereas, yeah. you know, they're getting a good field. It's actually going to be an exciting race, and it's ultimately what we want to see exactly you know not just one pro come along just to tick the box and be a face for a race so that's mm. kind of good stuff okay well discussion of the week we um i can't actually pull up athletes this morning they're doing some some upgrading but john's done his piece and uh Peace. discussion of the week so last week we got an email from someone i can't remember who it was but they're saying that lance if lance armstrong came along to a race would he just be allowed to do kona straight away and that kind of led to the question, should there be some discretionary spots for Kona for maybe really good ITU guys or, or really amazing cyclists who are coming into triathlon? And what were the thoughts, John? Uh, Lance Donny, the general public knows little about uh, Ironman outside of, Kona, outside of Kona. How many times have you talked to a non-triathlete and I think the Ironman is a race... Uh, non-triathlete and they think the only Ironman races in Kona. By using a few slots to get the big names, it would be a big plus. Um, Dave Mackey, I think they already invite people like Ryan from The Bachelor um, and that guy from The Biggest Loser. Um, personally, I'd prefer to see um, someone like Greg Bennett rocking up. Yep. And who else have I got here? Um, Mark Cross, pro tennis tournaments have wild cards to be allocated at organisers' discretion. Um, same could apply to Kona, but only to pro serious triathletes who have a serious uh, shot at mixing it up um, with qualified pros. Uh, and there was one or two others, but I just can't get onto the page as well at the moment. So, yeah, I think um, it's a topic that's probably been debated elsewhere quite extensively, but I think it'd be a great idea to have, um, you know, 10 or 10 or 50 oh, we've got Thomas uh, knocking at my door and then Thomas is going to get told off really quickly in a moment um, <laughs> and I think it'd be a great great thing to have you know you don't just go overboard maybe 10 15 slots maybe maximum 20 and uh, and just have some sort of I don't even know if they need that much of a criteria, but it would just be great to get some ITU athletes um, who have got big names coming into the sport. And guys like Lance Armstrong, I, I don't think he should have to qualify. I just think he'd bring so much media coverage yeah. to the race um, that it would be, uh, yeah, it would just, the benefits would far outweigh sending him off to another race to, to qualify. So, yeah, I think it would be a great thing to have it. I think it would be really interesting if Lance does do it next year, if he actually does do an Ironman first, you know, like, 
if he's going to do Ironman, he's going to be stopping recycling, isn't he? And maybe this will be his last tour this year of Tour de France. And so if he's going to do that next year, I'll be interested to see if he does do another Ironman to get some experience leading into Kona, if he would just turn up and hope that he's got it on today. It'll be interesting I'd to see his strategy. I'd be highly surprised if he did uh, did, an, an, did another Ironman race. You don't think but we'll, No, I think he'll just rock up there. I think he'll be very, very well prepared. Oh, come on, John. You know, you know, our listeners, they expect you to be professional when you're riding on athletes this week, guys. Go, geez, please, John, can you be professional? It's you know? the same person calling me back. I've already sent him a text this morning saying I can't be there. I've got commitments. I've got the podcast to do. You see. Mm. So um, anyway, well, I think I think that for myself, I think that um, yeah, definitely. If, if, if any exposure for our sports, we're a small sport who's you know in, in the. The pool of sport, we're you know we're only a drip of water, and any exposure. Do you like that one? Just you know, do you like that? Yeah, it's great. It was awesome. Excellent. Loving it. Thanks. I thought you would. Sometimes I get deep on it, John. But yeah. in, in the drop of the water that we are in this pool of sport, John. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, any exposure we can get, and if we can steal exposure from other sports and even just other forms of media, and and like when I was in Kona, they, they actually did have. I think it was the Bachelor. Um, they gave us. Well, I don't know if they gave it to him, but. He, he was on racing that year, and you know what? It gets exposure for the race in, in the US market. Now, I don't know how much exposure that's going to get people doing the sport, but, you know, exposure is not necessarily a bad thing, and that can bring more revenue and more opportunity to our sport and maybe to our pros. So uh, I think that's really good. And I just think it would be a really interesting race if we could get those guys. I think it changes the race dynamic. Like, if we can get some really top pro cyclists along, yeah. you know, they may not win Kona, but they're going to change the race, aren't they? Mm. No, I think it'd be I think it'd be great. You know, if you got some of the the ITU athletes that are sort of maybe coming towards the end of their career, like Greg Bennett, he's an example we've talked about quite a bit. Um, and some of the the guys who are stronger bikers, uh, I think it would just it'd be great, and, and and it'd be great to see them just absolutely go nut bar on the the bike or something. Some of the stronger ITU athletes and just go for broke and then explode on the run. It would just make for a more interesting race. Oh, it'd be fascinating, wouldn't it? Because the thing is, you wouldn't know. Maybe they could hold on and actually do yeah. it, or would they just blow? And yeah, it'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay. Well, this week we've got we've got a question, and uh, with the rapid expansion of the seventy point three series, is it a good thing for the brand and everyone involved, or is it maybe not such a good thing? Because it kind of is going out of nowhere, isn't it? It's gone ballistic, and, and there's races everywhere. So I think there's positives and, and negatives to both sides. But we'll be interested to hear your thoughts. Uh, you know, especially across the states, every, every flipping half Ironman seems to be turning into a seventy point three. So, is it a good thing? For the sport in general, and and um, you can go for different perspectives for them from the age group perspective, from the professionals' perspective, from the race organisers' perspective. Um, is it a good thing, or would you rather they just uh, kept it small and, and just a small number of races, a bit like Ironman, where there's you know say maybe I don't know how many Ironmans there are now, maybe twenty five. Um, yep. But now there's you know, it's probably I don't know fifty flipping seventy point threes already. Fifty flipping seventy point threes. Okay, let's do the bit ready. Three, two, one. Age group of the week. Really? Okay, well, good old Paul Busquet uh, sent through this week's age grouper, and he's basically saying, you're looking for quality age groupers of the week. Well, no, look no further. An added plus for Bevan is that the pronunciation shouldn't be that much of a problem. Whew, thank God for that. I would like to nominate my amazing, multi-talented partner, Bridget. Fry. Bridget has been wasting, let me pull down my page, Bridget has been doing triathlon since 2002. During this time she has studied, qualified and worked as a doctor. She is uh, in a real deal age grouper who works at least the 
full-time in a demanding job. She has always been interested in sport, having gained first-class honours in physical education before taking on medicine. Don't you hate people like that who are just brainiacs and good at sport? Yeah. Um, see, I'm good at sport. Well, no, I'm probably both too, John, actually. Yeah, um, that, that's true, definitely. <laughs> and you, got, you would have got first-class honours for reading and pr- name pronunciation. But I, and I would, spelling, I tell you, I got merit. Yeah. Uh, she had a lot of success in, as a triathlete, but mostly notable two sub-10-hour Ironmans. She backed up at a 9.55 in Western Australia in two, December 2008 with a 9.58 in New Zealand in March 2009. I would have guessed there were not many, if any, as Scribe would say, nice, age group women who have achieved this. Bridget is a well-rounded athlete who goes really well over all three disciplines. This year's New Zealand Ironman was a real tough one for Bridget. She had two bright crashes late in the year, first one breaking her jaw on both sides and requiring stitches to the chin and the torso. The second time, she broke her wrist, requiring surgery, and well, she probably could have done it herself. Third time, Bevan. Third time. Oh, when, the, do people, when do people get the message? Yeah. <laughs> uh, not being one to give up, Bridget ramped up the training and managed to get herself into the start line of Ironman. Unfortunately, it didn't go as she would have liked with a calf injury in the final week, weeks causing her to have to walk parts of the run. Still, she managed to pull off a 10.35 on the race course, and I'm extremely proud of the way she performed under the circumstances, but I know that she was hoping for better. With no fuss or fanfare, Bridget has carved an impressive list of results while working in a demanding area of medicine like uh, psychiatric um, and accident emergency. Um, Where am I going? Uh, I've attached a list of a few of those fantastic results she has achieved. I would like to hope that you would agree that my lovely and talented partner, Dr. Bridget Fryer, is more than worthy of the title of Age Grouper of the Week, and that was regards Paul. So a couple of her results there, 25th and 24 to 20, 20 to 24 world champs, uh, short course in Queenstown. Nice. Uh, she won her age group, New Zealand champs, uh, first in her age group at Ironman New Zealand at 10.21 in 2008, second in 30.35 in Ironman New Zealand in 9.58, and this year, despite all what Bevan was saying there, you know, with the injuries and the crash and what have you, if fourth in her age group in 30-35 and 10-35 this year. So I think, you know, when it is talking through there a number of her, her achievements, I think, you know, for guys who often think, you know, if you want to try to be, a, you know, like a, almost a third-tier pro, try to sort of crack into the, the, the realms of pro, you really need to be uh, sub-nine hours. And uh, and I think for the females, it's basically that sub-ten-hour bracket that you can probably say, okay, if I really put a lot of effort in here, I might be able to make it as a pro. You're probably not going to make much money just going under 10, um, yeah. but you're probably going, well, I've got the basic ingredients there. So, you know, the fact that she, she's done that and she did it at Ironman New Zealand, which is a slightly slower course, and 9.58 is pretty impressive despite holding down a full-time job. So, and let's yeah, be you- honest, doctors, they work their butts off, eh? Like if you're a doctor, like Andrew, Andrew, you know, he's just always, <laughs> God knows how he does Ironman, eh? Yeah, it's... Um, I don't know. That baffles me, but uh, but anyway, you know they, they do. Baffles you, John. I like that. It baffles uh, you. Uh, 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 they, you know, to, to to fit the training in and have a professional life, and uh, it, it probably helps a lot that Paul's an athlete as well. Um, Easy understanding. And uh, and also, I'm sure they live down. Sure, Paul's from Dunedin. Um, well, she actually won the women's open marathon in Dunedin, yeah. so maybe she did. What was really interesting, just looking at her results, is that. She won an age group in the 25 to 29 in Ironman New Zealand for 10.21. And then went back the next year, went up an age group, and she did a 9.58. So she was, you know, 20 to 23 minutes faster and only managed a second. And 
fast people out there. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, so well done. So, people. Doctor. We've had, we've, we've had a couple of uh, partners lately who have you know, denominated their A bit of love partners. going around, isn't there, John? I like this. I like a bit of love. Yeah, so Bridget Fry, you are our... Age group of the week. week. Beautiful. Okay, here we go. Ooh. Website of the week. Of the week. Oh, I'm waiting for you to join in. Sorry, sorry. Okay, well, this one's sent from good old, the wise one, James Botel. And uh, he's, this week, he proposes a website called com, a site with independent reviews of products that triathletes and other generally active people will enjoy. There are sections on biking, running, and most relevant to our sport, but includes adventure sport for those who like different off-season distractions. So, John, let's pull up the website. Yes, so I haven't had an extensive look through here, but I think the key thing is is uh, it's supposedly an independent um, review, and that's that's a problem when you you get to see a lot of reviews out there. Obviously, so and we're as guilty as anybody. People send you in product, and you find it kind of feel bad. You can't really slag it off too badly. Well, we've made a call on it, haven't we, John? We have. We've said yeah. we're not going to do product review, or if we do, we're going to be one hundred percent honest. So yeah. Yep. And, and and that's the thing when um, you know often in magazines they do reviews and and all of a sudden hey you see in a, you know, three pages of advertising later on so you do wonder how independent it is so that's probably what I like about the site is um, there's lots of different things on there but it's uh, you know it's in- independent reviews which I think is a key thing and uh, and I haven't actually checked whether you can um, you can get on there and you can actually put comments on it as well you know you can so for example I'm looking at um, Newton's right now and so they've got a review and and I think if anything they're kind of gone. The, the, they kind of like them, but they're always kind of saying that they cost quite a lot for what they are. But um, uh, you're right. There's comments down the bottom there, so everybody can put in their, uh, yeah, so their comments about as well. Hmm. Mm. So I think it's it's good. You know, if you're looking to get some gear and you're not 100 um, percent sure on it, and uh, you want some independent advice, get on there and uh, and check it out. And the wise one is is a con- a regular contributor, which we like uh, of content of the show. Also got forums on there. Got some photo galleries, so yeah. If you if you are looking at buying some stuff, and one thing about our sport is, you know what, we do spend a lot of money, and sometimes we spend a lot of money on crap we don't need. And sites like this, like Gear Junkie, you know, can actually make you help you make wise decisions that you know can save you money or make better buying decisions, so you can get better gear to help you be a better athlete. So it's definitely worth spending a bit of time doing some research before you actually spend the money. Nice, nice. Like so, the website is gearjunkie.com. Okay, you can do questions and answers. Oh, no, you can do Coach's Corner. Do your intro. Coach's Corner. Coach's Corner. Okay, John, so we've been doing, over the last couple of years now, probably has been really, we've been doing Ironman for first-timers, or you have been at least. I'll take some credit yep. for it, but I haven't really done it. <laughs> and I've asked the questions. That's the key thing. And, and we're up to part six. And what's that about today, John? So part six is race week and on-the-day tips. So... Um, Today, we're just going to look at race week and some things, uh, common errors or, or tips you, you might be able to put in your little uh, race plan so you have a, a, you know, an easier transition into the race um, during the week. And I've got to stress again, each time I do this, I stress, this is for first-time triathletes. So um, for you experienced athletes down there, I'm not trying to talk down to you or anything like that, but you may find one or two points in there that, that help you. But this is really focused on the guys that are going to the Ironman for the first time, haven't been there before. And uh, and are not quite sure what they're getting themselves in for. Okay, John, I'm going to interview you with these. So first of all, let's look at the errors people like making life, John, because people make big errors, and when you're new to something, John, you can make some pretty big errors. So 
what would be the errors you could make of race week? Okay, so I quickly came up with about uh, five or six things that I just thought off the top of my head. I thought these are the key things that the messages always come back to me and mistakes, you know, that I've made in the past um, as well. And the first one is is I, the whole Ironman thing is a different experience because you often go there and you're often there for, you know, maybe a week or, yep. or um, at least three or four days because you have to be for registration and, and getting everything set. And, and, and time uh, zones and, and weather yeah. and... And it's often, you know, for a lot of people, it's their big thing of the season, whereas with Olympic stuff, you maybe race more frequently. So you're there for a big week, um, and you're off, and there's usually a big expo to go to, and there's lots of other things happening. You know, there's a, a, often a parade of nations, and there's lots of things you can be involved in. They sometimes have aquathons or swim the course things going on. And it's really easy to get caught up when you're not working, um, to be spending a lot of time on your feet and often walking to and from the race venue if you don't have a car. Yep. Um, so so I think that's my, my first one on there is people spending too much time on their feet in race week and uh, wandering around. You should be um, kicking back, relaxing, regenerating. Catch uh, up getting, on the DVDs, don't you, John? You get out a few DVDs, you catch up yep. on those. And, uh, and just get your, you know, rather than running around all the time, um, just, just chill out a little bit. So be conscious of that in race week. And uh, number two one there is poor nutritional choices and, uh, and lack of planning with your nutrition. So um, when, you do, when, you, when you're in race week, if you're away somewhere, if you're staying at a hotel, you know, it's, it's pretty hard to get your nutrition right. So um, we'll, we'll talk about some, some things you can do to, to try to ease that a little bit. I when I did Kona. Um, I because my parents came. I was there for two weeks, I think, before the race, and I had kind of like yep. a week by myself. And then a week, my parents came along. And admittedly, when I was by myself, I kind of just ate crap, and I was partly maybe laziness, or maybe just because I didn't know the, you know the area. And then when my parents came along, having someone there to look after me, <laughs> which oh, was Jesus. But, but I ate really well, and I think definitely if you are going to go by yourself, be aware that maybe maybe it's just me, but in that situation that you need to do a bit more planning yourself so that you. You know, you don't just get lazy and end up ordering pizza or something like that. Totally. Mm. Um, number three there is training uh, too hard or not doing enough training. Yep. So, you know, it's a fine line, isn't it? It is, and uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. Next one is uh, you see quite often changing of equipment. Sometimes, you know, some you might be forced into some sort of changes, but most of the time, um, changing equipment is a big no-no. And and finally, just people just just stressing themselves out too much. You know, um, a bit of stress and 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 nerves is good, um, but too much is not so good. So, most of these sort of issues can usually be addressed by having um, a good plan. Um, I think just one thing with regards to the changing equipment is don't get caught up in the sales reps at the. Um at the merchandise or at the the expo because, you know, you're going to go along, and especially new people because you're just a bit of a sucker when you're new and some yeah. guy in some bloody expo tent or, you know, is going to come and say, oh, no, this is definitely going to help you lose five minutes off your time and you go, oh, maybe I should buy this and, you know, and so you end up buying stuff and if you haven't used it before race day, it's just, it's not worth your time and, you, you know, you're probably not going to get five minutes off, <laughs> you know. It's, no. it's a, bit of a, a bit of a white lie and yeah. so, you know, like just know your plan going there and if you haven't got any new equipment, and there's something like your helmet breaks or something like that. Just yeah. stick with your plan. Yeah, I will go into that in a bit more detail in a moment. Um, so first one, I've, I've tried to come up with a few um, ways you can address those five issues nice. I've come up with. So too much time on your feet. The Try to do the expo as early in the week as you can. It's generally a bit quieter then, and, and you maybe even get in early and you get all the good freebies early before they run out of uh, run out of product. Another freebies. So get get in there early, and and the other key thing I'd say is to get your nutrition. <laughs> your gear 
and your bike and everything's sorted before race week, you often see guys running around chasing their tail, going and trying to buy their three boxes of gels or whatever they need on the race week, getting new tyres and all that sort of stuff. Have a plan maybe about a month out and write a checklist of the things that you can start to get early and just get them all and just have them sitting in your garage and, and so then in race week you can just kick back and relax and as Bevan said, catch up on a bit of uh, DVDs, read a book um, and, and just be there and enjoy the environment rather than running around doing um, lots of errands that you could have done prior to race week. So I think that's a really critical one. Um, to address the poor nutritional choices and planning, one thing I'd always say is when you're booking your accommodation, have a little bit of a think about it um, and you know, you're much, much better off trying to stay somewhere where you can have yeah. some control over your cooking rather yeah. than going to a hotel, even if it's more expensive to say, uh, say some sort of condo or a motel unit, just having the control to do your own cooking is a massive, massive advantage. It makes a big difference because then you go to the supermarket at the beginning of the week, actually, you know, plan your meals out, get a good, you know, get all the good food and then you can actually cook your meals yourself so you know what you're putting in. Totally. So have a bit of a think about that. Um, and or try to use your networks to go and stay with someone if you've got uh, somebody you can feel comfortable with. You need to be comfortable in that race week and not have somebody that's going to um, really get on your nerves. So uh, yeah, the key message there is is a motel or condo if you call that's what you call it in the states or a, um, somewhere where you can basically do your cooking is is really important. Um, the, the issue of training too hard or not doing enough training. Some people think when you talk about taper, it means doing absolutely nothing. And, yeah. and I've had athletes that I coached before have said, you know, in the last two weeks, I basically did no training. And you're like, well, firstly, you, you, you de, de, you're, getting de, you're getting less fit all yeah. the way through the taper. Um, so that's, that's an issue. Obviously, you're going to turn up to race day um, fresh and with plenty of energy but your body's not going to be used to the stress of training again. So your taper needs to be, um, as I said, it's tapering off. So you know, two weeks out, that, that, that week is going to be obviously easier than what you have been doing. And then the final week um, is easier still. But you should still be training every day. Um, and, uh, and most days, you know, for, for most people that are training twice a day, you should be training twice a day. But the sessions, the, the type of session is obviously a lot shorter and the intensity is, is short and uh, should not be too hard so you need to get that right um it's a bit of a trial and error thing there's no one single right taper that's that's perfect for everybody um so message there is is, is not doing uh nothing it's it's a danger of doing too little and then there is a danger that, that, that just a few people fall into of go, doing far too much and going far too hard you know we, we've talked about it before you go to kona and you see these you know eight age group athletes running down a lehi driver like three minutes 30k pace which is way way above what uh you know it's probably like their 10k race effort or 5k (laughs) effort and it's like two days before the race so um that's bizarre a really good question to use just to for yourself during race week when it comes to this kind of stuff and i think you used to have a coach or at least someone experienced around you to give some guidance here because this is kind of directed at a new racer is you know is what i'm doing going to help my race or be detrimental to my race and if you kind of come from that place in all your actions you know you'll kind of think you know if you're running three minute k's down by hell he drive you'll be thinking to yourself well is this really going to help me have a great race and you know, for a newer athlete, you maybe not know the answers, but I think maybe intuitively you will know what good things are and what good things aren't. And if you can start from that place within yourself, you know, is this going to have me a better have a better race day or not, or is it going to obstruct that? Then you you may be a bit better at making wiser decisions. 
Mm. So the key things you need to look out for is, is, is swimming is really good. It doesn't take that much energy out of you, and getting comfortable um, in the water is is really important. So you know, do do a reasonable amount of swimming on the course um, in race week if you're there, and uh, and then if there's any technical parts of the bike, that's really important. And on the run, um, if there's any particular hills on the run, it's good to go and maybe at least walk the hills, um, especially if they're um, you know steep sort of things, so you can get a little bit of a feel for the course. So course reconnaissance is all good. Um, Bevan mentioned there, you know, when we're changing equipment, it's it's a it's a real no no. I mean, changing like running shoes and stuff, you'd think surely nobody would be dumb enough to do that, but but man, it happens all the time. And oh, in Kona, yeah. you get experienced athletes in Kona, and they say they see them after the race. Oh yeah, got lots of blisters on the run. And I, I, you know, I got these new shoes in in race week, um, and you're like, what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> so, you know. Stick with what has worked in, in, in your previous races. Most people going into an Ironman will have done a half Ironman um, somewhere along the way or at least done an Olympic distance race. And if you followed the John Newsom th- trademarked three-year plan, you would have done some half Ironman simulations as well and you would have tested your equipment. You'd be comfortable with it. You know what nutrition you're going to use and, and just roll with it. You know, As Bevan said, if, if something breaks, obviously you've got to, you've got to replace it. Um, but there's very few things that you should be changing um, in, in race week. And just re- recap what I was saying before, you know, like you, you can get excited at, at, the, at the expo and, you know, they will tell you that you're going to get more time for these things, but it's it's just too late and it's not it's not worth the energy. And let's say you don't know how to work the equipment or if something goes wrong, it's just going to distract you from your plan. So, you know, just know your plan, know your gear is going to be successful and, and trust in that. And, and then finally, um, head down there, you know, stressing yourself out. And, and we can't just sit here saying uh, don't get stressed uh, yeah. because, because you will be. And uh, But just learning, just try to make as many steps as you can on how you can deal with that stress. So yeah. I, I go on and on and on about having a race plan. And that's not not just a race plan for the day. That's a race plan for the for the week. Um, and if you can address, you know, the fears that you've got, um, make do a, have a checklist of the gear that you've got, so you know that you've got that all under control. You know, try to eliminate as many of the stresses that you easily can, um, and and get it down on paper. And you'll still be stressed. Yeah, and that and that's not necessarily a bad thing, as I've said. Um, but uh, try to eliminate as much. Ease, you know, stress as you can and going into right, the last couple of days you're going to be stressing out you're going to be crapping yourself um, and you just got to try to deal with it as best you can and maybe like maybe as an athlete you don't know how to deal with stress but there may be other areas of your life where you've had to deal with stress in the past and look back to those times and see how you overcame that stress to still be successful um, you know because then you can kind of help develop a strategy to help you get through that stressful time you know for the race cool and then I've got some um, some other general tips uh, yeah Probably the, the number one is um, on the on the race website. There'll always be uh, well, not always, but in, in in like WTC races, which are well organised, there'll be a race manual. Yep. Uh, make sure you have a good read through that rather than just leaving it till race week. So you just know the small ins and outs of the race, like um, special needs locations, how far apart um, aid stations are, where you've got to be positioned for the swim, what time you've got to be at places, all those little things, and, and rather than leaving that to race week. Um, so you should, that's, again, something you can do in, in the lead-up. For, for races like Ironman New Zealand, um, UK races, places where the, the weather conditions can change pretty quickly, you need to just keep a bit of an eye on the weather forecast and, and be ready for, for different sorts of weather and, and have a little bit of a plan for that. You know, a good example was um, Rote when Bevan and I raced there a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, 
forecast was was crap, and and it, and it turned out to be that way. And you know, it was you just get on with the business. But you know, both Bevan and I, we wore a bike top, an extra bike top on on the ride, and 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 I remember wearing arm warmers at different races, or even a jacket. Yeah. So just just having there's nothing you can do about it, but there's a few steps you can do to make your day a little bit more comfortable if it's going to be uh, it's going to be crappy. Obviously, in in places like Kona, you know it's going to be hot and windy, and the, the it's the same every year, but the place that I'm in, New Zealand stuff, the weather can change pretty quickly, so you do need to be ready for that. Um, nutrition, you know, there's lots of um, different options here, the things you can do and, and not do. The main thing is is that, um, you know, you, you go with what you've practiced, and we've already sort of covered nutrition in, in previous podcasts on, on, on ideas that you can work there. Um, one thing is that if you are going to use the, the nutrition that they give out on the course is to spend a bit of money before you even go to race week so you could trial it before, you know, you get there. So let's say, for example, they're going to be using Power Bar on, you know, the Ironman New Zealand course. You actually want to spend some money in your training to actually use their product because, you know what, not every, every product works for every person and you may not like that product. And on race day, you don't want to find that out during the race. So you okay. kind of need to know these things going into it. And if, you know, if powder bar doesn't work, well, then you'd have a strategy to make sure you had your own nutrition. Yep. Um, so a couple of other points there for, for, for race week is uh, not trying any new foods um, during the race week. Uh, you know, spicy, hot sort of things are, are not ideal in the, the last couple of days leading the race. Just keep it pretty bland and pretty simple. Um, a, a big danger that people fall into the trap of is putting on quite a bit of weight uh, as they go through the, the taper period. Yeah. So be careful not to overeat too much. So you, know, you hear about carbo-loading, there's different opinions on that. But what you've got to remember is you, you're almost carbo-loading without even realizing in most instances because you're training – yeah, you're reducing the amount of energy you're you're burning through your training because your training's come down significantly. So if you keep your your eating at the same sort of levels that you normally do, you're going to be um, you know overcompensating for that. So be careful to, that you don't fall in the trap thinking right. It's the last four days. I'm going to carbo load. I'm going to eat as many carbohydrates as I possibly can. Um, you often end up feeling pretty bloated. So just have a little bit of a plan with that and try it with uh, your practice races and your practice key training sessions um, and just be wary of not overeating too much and uh, the final thing on nutrition for, for race week nutrition is avoid leaving your hydration loading until the night before the race or race morning often people just uh, forget about it and then they think right the night before the race I've got to drink a crap load of fluids start yeah. you, you want to start that process um, a couple of days before the race and just make sure you stay really well hydrated with energy drinks that boost your electrolytes up um, gets a little bit of extra sodium in there and also gets you a little bit of extra carbohydrate whilst also keeping you well hydrated so you do that for, for a couple of days leading into the race rather than just a night before in the morning of the race um course knowledge we talked about you know doing too much training or too little training um in race week it's really good to get out there and, and familiarize yourself with the course if it's if it's your first time ironman which is the topic of this discussion then you won't have done the course before you may have done training but we'll assume you haven't so get go th- walk through the aid stations if you not the aid stations the transitions several times so you're really familiar with that it can be a, a period of the race where it's a little bit stressful so you've got to be, feel comfortable with that walk through it several times get to know the swim get to know the entry points the exit points and any uh you know 
uh, markers on the swim, you know, landmarks you can see, so you make it a little bit easier for sighting. Um, and just be 100% clear on where you're supposed to be going at all times, where the aid stations are going to be, how you come out on the bike um, and, and join onto the course, etc., etc. Uh, this thing as well, you've got to drive the course, get in the car, and actually, if you can get hold of a car, or if you know someone who's doing the race who's got a car and you can drive the course together, drive the bike and, and drive the run. Now, I know that it could be a bit of a mission because it's a 180k drive, and that can, you know, kind of tiring, boring thing to do. But on race day, if you know where the turnaround comes, if you know that this bends hills, you know, if mentally, if you have a picture in your mind what, what's in front of you, it's a much easier race. Whereas if you go into it blindsided, you know, those tough moments are just going to be compounded by, you know, or, you know, multiplied by 100 because it's just going to be so much mentally harder because you just don't know when the turnaround will be. Or if you don't know that hill's coming up, you don't really want the surprise of those things happening. So, you know, invest some time in getting in a car and driving the bike course and the run course just so you know what's going to be, you're going to be up at on race day. Um, and, and you know, and many uh, driving 180 k's is a, is a big call, but most courses, almost all courses now, um, two or three laps I'd yep. say you know Canada is probably one of the few that has got a full 180k bike course there so you may want to try to do that a little bit early in the year as long as it's not too much of a trek to get there to go a little training camp at the location but to go and do 90ks um, like on a Monday or Tuesday before the race it would, would be a good good idea um, in the car and you'd be able to bike a good portion of that course you know if you could uh, split into two during race week and, and maybe do like a if you got there a week before do like a 60k or on, um, on the Sunday and then do the, the other 30k later in the week that would be ideal so you do get to see the course um, what I would say is when you're driving the course and, and my personal experiences are that the course often seems significantly harder when you actually drive it than when you're actually on the bike the hills seem to your perceptions seem that they are a little bit steeper than what they are and when you get on the bike that it often feels a little bit easier so don't be too stressed out about the hills and um, and then my final point um, in race week you always got to remember that you're supposed to be there to have fun um, it's your first Ironman yeah. And um, and if you do want to get into all the expo stuff and do the the aquathon and the and the the swim the course and all the other different activities that they put on, that's fine. You just got to weigh up the consequences of doing those things, and it will take a little bit away from from your race. But it may be that you're looking for the full race yeah. week package, so you just need to factor that in and and um, and just don't get too strung out about things. First first time round, you know, it should be a lot of fun, conservative race plan get through it and uh, get the finish line in one piece and rip the, the last section of the run and make sure you um, don't explode. And if you do that, it should be all good. Happy days. Okay, so part seven, John, what's part seven going to be on? Part seven will be on the day uh, sort of race tips. And then I think I think part eight is uh, tips from the listeners. And I've got a little bit of a oh, file of nice. things that people have sent in. Um, nice. So race day tips from I am talk listeners. Okay, love your work. Okay, questions and answers. And answers. Beautiful. Good old Lee Cartmel sent through this. Oh, no, is this Danny Ward? No, Lee Cartmel. Okay, uh, how's, how's it going in the city Christchurch? I don't know. I'm in, I'm in overcast Auckland, I am. Um, not got around to listening to this week's podcast yet, but it will be a treat tomorrow. Thanks for the great tips last week. Anyway, I have one question. What is John's run-walk strategy? E.g., are you going to do a one-minute run? I mean, one-minute, <laughs> one-minute, ten-minute run, one-minute walk. What, what do you yeah. do? What's your um, So I've got to say that 
the weather in Christchurch last week was sensational. We had some 26 degree days, Bevan, you're missing out on. Um, but I'm, it's, I'm working all day, mate. It <laughs> it's turned to, turned to rubbish down here today. But anyway, my, I'm, I'm still experimenting with my, my plan for the, the Christchurch Marathon, um, the SBS Christchurch Marathon. And the the plan is at this stage, I'm, I'm playing around with a couple of things, but I'm, I'm pretty comfortable that I'm probably going to go with 3K run, uh, 40 second walk. And I've still got to do quite a few more trials with that um, to feel comfortable with it what I'd say is um, and I've said this before for all the athletes that I coach um, and, and that I've advised on, on the run walk stuff anybody um, who is three hours or above the run walk has basically resulted in a PB I think just about 100% of the time so um and the way they've done that is, is varied. Uh, some people have walked aid stations for, say, 40 seconds. Uh, and this is, I'm talking fresh marathons here rather than Ironman marathons. Yeah. Other people have done the nine on, um, one off, nine minute run, one minute walk. So you just got to play around with whatever feel, feels right for you. But I'd say if you're over three hours, it's, it's, it definitely works and people find it really good. I'm still um, just straight away. Experimentation, John. I'm experimenting on myself as, you know, I'm, I'm looking to run around about the two. 237 sort of mark um, whether I can actually um, do it doing run walk or not and and, and I'd, if I'd done marathons before I'd definitely 100% be uh, in a bit more of a sure position basically you know, are you a bit worried because you know like this is kind of your key race for the year really are you a bit worried that you know this strategy may not work and you end up having a bad day I'll, I'll know by the time I get to the race day what is going to work and what's well. I won't know conclusively yeah. because I won't have done it. But you know, I've got a number of test sessions that I'm going to do coming up. So, for example, tomorrow I'm going to be going out and I'm going to do uh, two thirty. I'm going to do it in my long run. I'll do two thirty-minute segments. I'll do one thirty-minute segment where I'm going to run uh, a straight thirty minutes at. Uh, an average pace for, for that will give me um, around about that sort of 237, 238 mark. I'll be taking my average heart rate for that um, and then I'll be having some recovery time and then I'll be doing another 30 minute section where I'll be doing the run walk and then I'll just be comparing the two. I'll be looking at you know, perceived effort, um, mentally how I got through it. You know, mentally it's, it's a lot easier to get through um, when you're going sort of you're having that little walk break in there you've got something to focus on uh, so we're looking at average heart rate perceived effort and um, and just, just basically seeing how it goes and um, whether I can sustain the run walk because you do have to run a bit faster well John I've actually got another email here from from wait a second let me pull it up um, from good old dangerous Dave Pierce and he's saying you know because Albert did have a pretty good race a couple weeks ago or last week yeah. and he's saying he went on the, the calculator so, yep. so we thought it'd be interesting to see how Alberts of Kelfies of Hawaii fame would go against John's age-adjusted time ah. for the upcoming marathon. What it would be. So, a simple calculation would seem to indicate that Albert is forty-five and ran a, a, a two thirty-nine. No, I actually think he ran two thirty-eight, didn't he? No, I think he ran two thirty-nine, thirty-three, or something like okay. that. And John is thirty-three. Is this true, John? Uh, 33. Going on 434, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, for you, your age group, John, with the 12-year the difference between you and Elbert, you would have to run a sub-230 marathon. That's not going to happen. That ain't going to happen, is it? That ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen. That's a safe bet. Go, put down, go to the TAB. If they've got odds on me running two, two, under 230, it ain't going to happen. I was watching the London Marathon on the weekend because I was, I was on, on Sky and I'm in my hotel room. That's what I've been doing this week is watching support. But, um, geez, those guys go fast. 
It was but, unbelievable. Eh? Like you know, when you watch the marathon, sometimes they don't seem as fast. There are yeah. sections of this one, even you know, with them, they're just just flying, man. So they went through, you know, uh, the the 10k, I think, from 20 to 30k, and they were doing, you know, high 1420s. Um, so 14, I think I read 1426 and maybe 1428 for the two 5k splits between 20 and 30k. So what was really, what I found really interesting was the k splits weren't really ever consistent. Even, you know, like they'd, they'd vary by about 15 to 20 seconds. They didn't really sit okay. on a consistent pace. It was obviously they're racing, but even the guy, you know, two guys who got out to the front and. The case splits would vary, and when the guy got out to the front by himself, he'd still be mixing it up by about 15 seconds. Obviously, you'd push it for a K or two, but, mm. man, just respect for those guys because that's just awesome. No, they were fast, and I have got a new target, actually, that I've got to try to beat from there because um, Fiona Doherty, who... I saw that, John. I did see that. She was racing, and uh, and I used to race with her over in France. She was in my, my team with Bevan, and, uh, and yeah, she ran two 237.55 or something like that, so... Can't have her beating me, so... Uh, you can't be checked, mate. Can't you be checked. being checked, I know it. Uh, it's going to, yeah, especially by somebody you know as well. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, I've got to say, you know, if <clears throat> I found the marathon, watching the marathon, pretty boring, to be honest, um, yep. because, uh, especially because, you, you, like you were saying, oh, there's a couple of guys out front, you're not familiar with who the athletes are, and because it's a, an African-dominated sport a lot of the time, you're not, you don't often connect with the athletes in the same, in the same way for whatever reason, whereas, you know, if you're in the States, you, you guys know Ryan Bolton and they'll know all the American guys, but when you don't connect with those African athletes, and they're often a new one will pop up all the time, um, and because I don't follow running, um, there wasn't that same attraction, whereas if I'm watching a triathlon and it'd been the exact same circumstance I probably would have found it pretty exciting but they do just run along in a group and whilst it's incredible the speed that they're running um, no, there's not a lot of action really is there it's just they're well, just running what was really what was frustrating watching the race was that when the women's because the women start first I think they start must be half an hour before the men mm-hmm. so they start or maybe even a little bit longer than 45, 45 so it's 45 minutes before the men and then so they come through and they hit the top 10 winners and the men's race is happening and, and now, this is the moment of the men's race where, where the juices you know where all the attacks are happening and guys are dropping away and stuff and they kept just showing the women runners come in and like sure the top 10 I would have been happy to see but and then go back to the men's race yeah. but they did it down to about 30 or 40 and then yeah. when they went back to the men's race one guy was all out by himself and I was like well, <laughs> oh it's so frustrating but the other thing I, I thought of when watching the race is how much they use paces to get a fast race? Like, so in the men's race, they had, I think they had five guys with Yeah, paces. I saw that at the start. And they just sat out front. For, I don't know for how long. It must have been about 20, 30K of the race. And, and it did make me wonder if, if the use of paces in Ironman could be beneficial to see a top. You know, the thing about our sport, which is a little bit disappointing really, is that we don't really push for time. You know, no. we, we're not really encouraged to be faster, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because of mixed courses and, you know, all the rest of it. But I think it'd be kind of cool to get, you know, like paces on, on a race to really get us to see how fast someone could go in a race. It'd be a really interesting formula to come up with because you've obviously got guys who are stronger on the bike, stronger on the the run. So it'd be really difficult to actually put a pacer out there. Um, but I think if if they were did somebody did want to get together and go right, we want to go um, set a world record time. You do need to assemble a bit of a, t- a bit of a, a bit of a team to do that. Yeah. I mean, guys, you know, and the guys in road when they have set those best times, they have had a bit of a squad around them. You know, there was like Jurgen Zag and Thomas Hellregel and Luke Van Leer and and they all rode together and pushed pushed um, yeah. pretty hard on the bike, and then it was down to the run. So, yeah, I think it would be great. You'd probably need to have maybe personal 
paces. Um, yeah. So, for example, you maybe have somebody who's going to push the pace on the bike, and then you'd have a fresh runner who's going to go right. We're going to this runner is going to run at two hour forty marathon pace or something like that, yeah. and that would keep long. But that's where you've got to have respect for someone like Chrissy, who's who's gone out there and set a course record, and, and a lot of the time she's been uh, been solo out there. So yeah. um, it makes it Mm, I know, be impressive. Anyway, Danny Ward from TriSport Epping, um, he sent in an email. What they did over in Epping was they recreated the uh, original San Diego triathlon, which, uh, as we now know, the first triathlon was actually in France and God knows how long ago. What was that, Bevan? Uh, just dropped my earphone. Okay. Um, and uh, But anyway, the, as popular media... Um, Announced you know, when when triathlon really came on the scene was uh, when they had this this first race in San Diego, and what the guys in, in the UK did they basically recreated the the race where you had a uh, a six mile run, um, and then you had a five mile bike, had a short run, and then you had a five five hundred uh, yard swim. So they basically nice. recreated that. It's early season over there, um, and they got in and stuck got stuck into it, and it sounded like they had a a great lot of fun. It'd be different. You know, it's a different way of doing a race. Um, and you know, if you're a good runner or in a weak swimmer, you'd obviously want to absolutely smash the runs to try to, to pick it up a little bit. And it's a really short bike ride um, to to try to make up any time. And apparently, the original race organizer Jack Johnson said was that um, they, they were worried that if they made the bike ride too long in that first race, that uh, it would cut down to to a large degree the number of people that were going to race. So oh, they kept that. At the time. Yeah, and, and there was obviously when the, the running, you know, the jogging boom was sort of about to start happening. The jogging boom was a bit more in the 80s, I yeah, think. Yeah. Um, it was obviously the, the, the runners were seemed to be the the, you know, the the big thing. And Danny also sent through um, the website, which is triathlonhistory.com, which is, uh, I think, Jack Johnson, who was the original race organiser, has put the put up there. And that's actually got all the results from the very yeah, first. Yeah, we've heard this in the past. I've read this. Yeah. It's a great website. So you get on there. It's just a one-page website, triathlonhistory.com, and good on you guys over in uh, at TriSport Epping for uh, recreating a little bit of history. Love your work. Okay, uh, sponsors. Athlinks.com. Um, and Bevan, I was on Athlinks uh, yesterday or the day before, yep. and one thing you can do if, if you if you basically you know you do your social networking on on Facebook for example yep. and uh, that's where you, maybe your family go and 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 you know maybe they don't they're not going to log into Athlinks and you can't show off all your results An easy thing you can do is you can basically export all your results onto Facebook um, oh, that's awesome really easy to do they've got is, is it a widget is that what you call it yeah yep yeah, so you basically go onto your results page on uh, on Athlinks and then uh, there's a little button there that says um, you know something about Facebook, like export my results to Facebook, and you click that, you basically got to give Athlinks the permission to sort of log into your um, Facebook page, press a couple of buttons, and then it basically exports all your results onto... Um, uh, all so it'll be like an application, they must have a Facebook page. An application, that's yeah, what it is, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then it puts them all on there, so if, if that's what you use normally for your, your networking with your, maybe your non-triathlon friends, who probably, you know, in all, all honesty, probably won't go onto Athlinks to, to read about your results, this is a great thing that Athlinks are doing where you can still get your results on there. still think Athlinks is a great place, that's where you can go and you can actually compare your results against all your fellow athletes and your club mates and what have you and put down a little bit of smack talk to the triathlon community nice. so just trying to get your results and, and, and get your friends and family to look at them put them onto your Facebook page and you're away laughing yeah that's pretty awesome that's really great I saw you join Facebook John 
it's a necessary evil, Bevan. And so, <laughs> it's a necessary evil. <laughs> and uh, and I did export my results uh, onto my Facebook page yesterday, nice. and was quickly uh, reprimanded by my wife, who said I'm a, a has been athlete, and <laughs> uh, who, who cares about the 1996 World Junior Triathlon Championships results? You has been athlete, and I was like, just just give me a break, crikey. Relationship. Yeah, so um, yes, I am on Facebook, but I still like to. I go to Athlinks to basically for all. Yeah, uh, whilst I put them on Facebook, I'm at, I'm at Athlinks to basically compare my results, and uh, and that's where you know what I like now. The feature they've got on there is when you click on a result, it gives you the average time. And for our tri- Canterbury Tri Club, it'll say um, who's the fastest member of your club at oh, that really? race. Um, and the good thing I like about what's going to happen with the Tri Club is then we can it'll just have all our club members' results in there as well, um, rather than having to filter through and trying to find particular names. So, no, I think they're almost up to 100,000 members. So get on there, remember if you want to get in the draw to win. Uh, entry into the Tri Grand Prix races, just go into Athlinks and go onto our page on Athlinks and I put a discussion topic on there. You just need to put a little hello note or something on there and we'll pick out a couple of winners and uh, you can go to a race in the UK or Spain for free. Beautiful. Love that, love that. Okay, uh, Coffees of Hawaii and we're actually going to get Albert on the show next week, aren't we, John Boy? Getting Albert on the show because uh, I've had a few requests from people. Obviously, He's a legend, isn't he? That's the thing. He's a legend, John, you know. But, but people want to know, you know, he's a he's a high performing age group athlete, and uh, in both marathoning as we see now, and also in triathlons. So and he's a busy man. So we're just going to try. Best in the world. That's what I've been telling people. Fifth best, best in the world. <laughs> Fifth best in the world. Yep. So uh, and remember, if you want to get some coffee deals supporting the sponsors that support us, go to IamTalk.me. Click through. To the, on the sponsors logo there and it'll take you through to our I Am Talk page there's a couple of different discount codes you can use there and if you get on there you can find out them you can get 25% off you can get 25% off a recurring um, order there and they've got some special oh, number one Yep. overseas customers spend more than $50 and the shipping is free and there's a special code you can use to do that which you can go on the page and find and special of the month number two the phonics sale because Albert sent through pronunciation <laughs> lesson save 30% on all our uh, oh now I've got to pronounce it correctly Malunlani uh, no, I think you got it I think that's it that's right uh, well and done. you can enter the code there and phonics is a code and you can get 30% off uh, isn't it phonics phonics whatever <laughs> I don't know yeah. Oh, so check out our sponsors. Sponsors are athlinks.com. Just tell the whole world how great you are. Coffeesofwhy.com. And then have a coffee with them. Okay, well I did have to do uh what was I, what was my job, John? Nicknames. Nicknames and I did it, John. I'm a good boy because you tell me to do something and I just say yes, sir. <laughs> and so I'm gonna go through my nicknames. First one was Brian Dunn. And I struggled with this one a little bit, so I've gone with Spice Boy Brian Dunn. <laughs> 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 Spice Boy. Oh, okay. And, uh, and, and what's sitting behind that? Uh, I saw David Bickens' nickname was Spice Boy, and I kind of thought maybe Brian Dunn's a bit of a looker. And so yeah. I don't know if you are, Brian. I'm assuming you are, you see. And I thought, yeah. hey, you know what? He's, he's a looker. And so he's Spice Boy Brian Dunn. You like that? Yeah, awesome. I'm sure he's loving it. Okay, yeah. Jess Pebbles. I've got um, Jess Pitbull Pebbles. Right. You like that? Don't mess with Jess. Don't mess with Jess. I would have oh, gone right. something like a beach or something else. I was thinking when I saw her name, oh. you know, Pebbles. But but anyway, you go Pitbull. Okay, Brad T Bone Miller. 
surprise. Nice. And in Paul, the two-wheel predator monk. Nice one. I was going to go down the religious kind of way, and then I thought, no, yeah. no, I'm, 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 I'm being aggressive today, John. Okay, nice. Okay, Neil McLaughlin. Neil, the road assassin McLaughlin. <laughs> okay. Like Carrying on the aggressive theme. Yeah, yeah. And then i got another Neil. Neil, the ninja Stafford. Nice. Yes. And then, you haven't had that one before, have you? I don't think I have. I, I did no. think, I thought I'd add up maybe another part to the ninja, so I'd like, you know, the, the grey-haired ninja or something like that, but I just thought, no, I'm pretty sure I haven't done ninja. And then yep. Brian, uh, what's that, Wainwright, the yep. one-man show, Brian Wainwright. Nice. And I'm just meaning on, in training-wise. Okay. <laughs> well, good job, Bevan. We've got a few more nicknames to come up next week. Oh, I love that you guys are donating to the show. So if you want to donate to the show, you can go to our website, www.imtalk.me, and uh, there's a donation button there, or you can do the recurring payment, which is $1 US a week or uh, $4 a month going yearly, and uh, we'll do a draw for some kind of cool prize at the end of the year for everyone who donates to the show. But, you know, we just appreciate everything you give to the show, and uh, it's all good stuff. And we're putting all that money into some pretty big stuff at the moment. So, yeah. <laughs> I've got to laugh. We've just uh, we're, we're getting a new website done, and um, our website designers just sent me through a, a uh, an email, an email, and um, uh, people can Americans cannot pronounce your name, can it? She's even written hi Bevin, B E V I N, and John. I love it. She could she couldn't get the pronunciation right, could yeah, she? Anyway, that website's hopefully coming soon. And um, I sent Bevan through a uh, Bevan through a think of a uh, driving a van, van. Um, a mock um, a mock up of a potential new bike jersey we're going to do. Oh, no. so, we actually got an email from someone this morning asking about bike jerseys. So, how long do you think it'll be, Jonbo? Well, you've got to have a look at the design. If you're happy with my um, revised design, we can get a design done, and we we can get it done in the next month. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I, well, I haven't I haven't looked at the email yet, but I'll get onto that today. So, and what I'm prepared to do because you sometimes do this and say we'll give away something free, yep. is if anybody gets their, tat- their their nickname permanently tattooed Ooh. into their skin, we'll give you a free bike jersey. Really? That's commitment, John. Yeah. Okay, there you go. What if like 100 people do it, John? Uh, I don't think they will. But anyway, the other thing, <laughs> uh, Carl, Carl Coleman, I think it was, who I gave the nickname Eerie Fairy to last week, he wasn't wasn't overly joyed about his, uh, his nickname. I wonder, I wonder if good old um, the Spice Boy Brian Dunn was feeling the same way. We don't change that name. You get it, eh? You get it, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, sticks. It's like glue. Sticks. Sticks. It's like super glue, John. Yeah, okay, John. So give me a life story. What's happening? Did my first running race of the season uh, on Saturday. Oh, how'd you feel? Uh, not too bad. Uh, I was quite happy. It started um, raining on Saturday, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a around Hagley Park, which is just a, a park in Christchurch, nice and flat. And uh, 4K, um, and I was thinking, oh, it's raining. And then out of the blue, not, well, not out of the blue, I was expecting it, a nice package turns up from Mizuno, got me some new shoes, got me some new spikes. I haven't, didn't have any spikes, and they turned up on race morning. Normally, if it was a high-profile race, I probably wouldn't try anything so you on race day. Here, John. <laughs> but it's a low-profile race, and the, the spikes certainly came in handy, and I was, uh, was, I, I was 11 seconds quicker than last year. Oh, um, that was good. Happy conditions, and uh, I was but it's, it's always hard to tell in those races. But I was closer to the leaders than I was the previous year, so I was happy and I was fastest in the tri club, so it was good. How did the team go? I think we got about fifth or sixth or so. Out of- um, oh, I don't know actually. Um, <laughs> pretty competitive, yeah. We had uh, plenty of guys sort of in the top 20, um, 
top 20 in the senior men's. Andrew Black, who's a listener of the show, he had a great run. He was only, um, I think, about uh, maybe 12, 13, 14 seconds behind me, which was pretty, which was which was solid. Yeah. The 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 Philinator, he was there running as well, and uh, plenty of other listeners as well. Nice. And what else are we doing on this week, John? This week is going to be a key run race. We've got a 15k running race on Sunday. Got a bit of a busy build-up. Thomas has got a uh, his Tiddler's Multisport race, first ever, where I think he runs across the field on Sunday. Now, that's at 9 o'clock. My oh. race starts at 10 o'clock. It's going to be a bit of a challenge. What's but the I'm travel pretty, distance, John? Uh, it's quite large. Oh, it's from New Brighton over to the end of Titat Road. Oh, that's uh, a big drive, John. <laughs> Big drive, so I'm, I'm highly likely I'm going to arrive to the race about five minutes before it starts, uh, and then get out of the car and start running. But I'm looking forward to it because I think that'll give me a really good benchmark for where my running actually is. You know, 4K. It's you know, it was it was a good. Uh, you know, I ran a bit better than I would have done last year, but I would have expected that. But 15K on the road, nice and accurate, measured. Yeah, no, you're not doing walk in this race, are you? No, I won't do that. But it'll give me a good idea of where I'm at. So I'm looking forward to that. Love your work. And, Bevan, anything happening in your world? Well, I'm, I'm excited, John, because I've been away for what, a little bit over a week now, actually about a week and a half, and I'm going away to Sydney tomorrow morning, I've got Phylex, which is Australia's big fitness conference, and I haven't actually presented there in a long time, I, I no, I've never presented there actually, so Phylex is a, a, the Australasian biggest fitness conference, it's huge, it's in the Sydney Convention Centre by Darling Harbour there, and it, it's, it's kind of like the big event in Asia really. And I'm presenting there on Saturday or Sunday, which is kind of cool because it's kind of one of the things I haven't done in my industry, so I'm ticking that box. But I haven't seen my lovely Jo in a week and a half, John, and she, by coincidence, she's coming to Auckland tonight for work. So, so we're going out for a bit of a walk, go for a run with her maybe? Yeah, you know, just doing some yeah. energy together, John. That's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be Gosh. burning some energy. Yeah, John, yeah, I'm sure everybody wants to know about that. <laughs> So that's kind of looking forward to that. So a bit of lovey-dovey tonight. And then, um, yeah, off to Australia. I haven't been to Sydney in years. When was the last time you were in Sydney? I've only been to Sydney twice. Uh, Epic camp and uh, for a wedding. Yeah, so. So, for years as well. Mm, so I'm going to go, I like oh, I've only been once myself, but I didn't really like the place. So, so it should be kind of cool. And then I'm looking forward to getting home, to be honest. It's kind of been. You miss me. You know what, John? I just, I just want your love next to me. Like, I like talking to you on the phone, but it's just not the same. Yeah. Like when you're sitting next to me and you rub my leg like you did the other week. Oh, yeah, you, know, you love it. I don't even need Joe around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Uh, it's all good times. So, yep, so we'll be back in the studio next week's team. If you have any emails, you can email us at imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Check out the show notes on www.imtalk.me and we'll be back in the studio next week for some more good times and fun. And if you've got any questions for Albert because we're getting him on the show next week, um, flick those through and we'll ask him next week. Good times. Good. Iron Russ. I mean, no. Train hard. Train smart. Kia Kia. Beautiful. Love you, mate.